1: All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we're going to have fun today. We're going to be talking about Westerns, question mark, a a lost art, question mark. (laughs) We're going to be looking at the good old-fashioned western which seems to be hard to find these days. And we're going to be asking my guest why this is and why should we care? (laughs) Well, for one reason we should care is because my guest, Bob Brill, has just written the first in his series of Western books called Lancer Hero of the West. That's the name of the series. And this first book is called The Prescott Affair. One of the reasons why we should care, and now I know for those of you who have been listening to this show for a long time, you're thinking, what? I'm doing a show on Westerns, me, an anti-media violence person who, you know, rants about uh, violent movies and so on, but (laughs) compared to the um, movies and video games of today with assault weapons, mass shootings, explosions, and special effects, Westerns are rather tame. In fact, whenever I would do, um, frequently when I would do uh, some of these rants and interviews on television shows or radio shows or whatever, people would come back and say, well, when I was a kid, I used to watch westerns and I used to play cowboys and Indians and I didn't turn out to be violent. Well, my answer was always, that's because the things that kids are watching today are a lot more violent and don't have the um, positive messages that there are in westerns. Now just think about that. Um, They teach lessons about honor, chivalry, the difference between right and wrong, and particularly in regard to the individual deciding what's right and wrong and and heading towards, I mean, the good guys heading towards the right direction. So we're going to hear more about that from my guest, but um, one of the things I want to start off with is how, and I never actually thought about this until I read the um, uh, front of Bob's book, The Dedication, which is for my dad, whose love of Westerns grew into my love of Westerns. Uh, He wrote, My love of Westerns and the West in general stems from my father, who told me he devoured every Zane Gray novel he could get his hands on. The Saturday afternoon matinee in Pittsburgh was a refuge for him and his brothers, especially when it was a cowboy feature. I grew up with Westerns and fell in love with them, as he did. Now, um, when you think about that, there were lots of little boys <laughs> who grew up, well, who grew up with their fathers in the first place. Um, I mean, that's a whole other problem, the disappearance of fathers in America. But in any case, who grew up with fathers, and maybe it's because of the disappearance of Westerns, who grew up with fathers and shared this love of Westerns, whether it was with Western novels or Western movies or Western television shows, um, there was a kind of male camaraderie, a kind of bonding that went on that is definitely missing in today's world. So with that, let me uh, introduce again Bob Brill. Well, he is uh, not only the author of The Prescott Affair, but uh, he's an award-winning journalist, who has covered presidents and other major news stories for top media outlets, including from his current position of news anchor for the L.A. CBS affiliate, which is KNX Radio. Now, when you think about that, Bob Brill covering presidents, sports heroes, etc., etc., you must be asking yourself, why is he writing (laughs) a series yet, the first in a series of, um, of Westerns? And I'll let I'll let you tell them that Bob. Welcome to the show.
3: <laughs> well, thank you, Carol. I appreciate uh, you allowing me to come on. You know, as I was listening to you, it it kind of kicked in because I'm I'm looking at the cover of Lancer Hero of the West, and it kind of ties in when you ask if uh, why should a psychologist be talking about westerns? If you look at the cover, it's a perfect match for you because first of all, I am a liberal and I am anti-gun. Uh, so you say, okay, what's he writing about Westerns for? Once you get into the book, you, you kind of figure that out. But the cover of the book has a holster with bullets, but no gun. And there's no gun in the holster and uh, with, with a wooden background. And the reason I did that very specifically is to, on the first book, to relay the message that Lancer is the type of hero who goes to the gun last, He wants to solve the problems without using the gun. Even though we're in the 1880s and the Wild West is still the Wild West, and he's based in Tombstone, which is one of the wildest places uh, uh, in in the West, and uh, that's where he's based at, and then he goes out and, and follows his adventures, first one to Prescott, Arizona. But he always tries to use... Brains before brawn. I hate that saying, but that that's basically the idea. The gun always is is last because he's going to win with the gun. He's a fast gun. He's a dead shot. He has a, a background that um, is from the East, he was in the Civil War, he he has traveled the world, and I try not to reveal a lot about Lancer in the first book, because there's going to be more revealed in later books, but I think what you get in the first book is a flavor of who this character is. And uh, my love of the Westerns, as you mentioned, came from hanging out with my dad, um, and even until the day he died, he, he was into the Westerns, and I, I fell in love with them. And I think it goes back to that era of the 50s. Now, uh, I grew up, as many of us did, um, I was born in 53, so I grew up in the late 50s, early 60s, when... TV genre, the, one of the most popular on TV was the Western, and mainly the half-hour Westerns before Bonanza and Big Valley, and those came along that were 60 or 90 minutes, or the Virginian. The half-hour Westerns, the Black and Whites, was Have Gun Will Travel, uh, The Rebel, um, and Wanted Dead or Alive, and, um, you know, so many of these, uh, Westerns that were based on a hero who was sort of an anti-hero, and I think you know you had Steve McQueen, you had um, Nick Adams, and yeah, you, you had um, Paladin, who was Richard Boone. Those being the three prominent. And and I blended, I took what I wanted from those characters and others of the era combined him into the character I wanted to build, and then threw in, as you mentioned, I think every writer throws in a little bit of himself. When I write a screenplay, there's always one character in there, maybe one line, but it's me, you know, and I wrote it for me. Um, And I think my biggest contribution uh, to this character happens to be my sweet tooth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. As you noticed when you read the book, um, he is a fan, He he, he loves Turkish Delight. And I think sometimes I'm amazed to find out how many people don't even know what Turkish delight is.
2: Uh-huh.
3: And, uh huh. And well, why which, don't you
2: describe it, it for those? <laughs> Turkish delight
3: is is a, a candy that is very mellow. It's it's soft, but it's more. It's like um, I, I don't want to say a gumdrop type of thing because it's not. And it's it comes in various flavors like rose and lemon, and then it's dusted with powdered sugar, and the main places where you find it uh, are at like Persian markets, because it is Turkish. And so uh, markets that, that cater to Middle Eastern foods is where you're going to find it. And it was around back then. And it, it's something that you can – he carries it in his saddlebag or whatever, and, and it's something that really doesn't need refrigeration or anything like that. But it's a delicacy. It's got that that taste that just kind of sends you off into – Another world almost it's it's not super sweet it's not sour it's nothing like that it's just delightful whether you have it with coffee at the end of a meal or just as a snack or whatever it's just delightful it doesn't have that many calories so that's even better but um, it's just a, a wonderful thing and it's a good opening for him in many ways, uh, whether he's dealing with a, a woman or a kid or something because he's that kind of person who he, he's wily and he's sharp and he's educated and he's sort of mysterious. But at the same time, he, he loves kids. He's a respecter of women and uh, and you know could be a family man if he if he wanted to be. But he kind of really doesn't want to be, I guess.
2: Yeah, because he's a loner. Exactly. And yes, it is interesting how he manages to pull out his Turkish delight at various key points in the story to, uh, to sort of get someone to give him the information he wants and, and um, you know, to, to essentially soften them up.
3: Yes, very much so. And it, it's, a, it's a kind of a neat way to weave in um, sort of some differences to, uh, in, in radio, for instance, we we use actualities or voice clips or, or sound bites to bring the listener's attention back to the forefront. And uh, I, I kind of hope that that's what Turkish Delight does for, for Lancer as well mm-hmm. and for my readers.
2: Okay, well, of course, I'm going to be curious to see whether there are maybe some other attributes of Lancer that might might also be uh, somewhat autobiographical, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, well I'm a, I'm a decent
3: guy I mean you know i've never you know I've always been uh, up and up and uh, came from a, um, a working class family background you know uh, my, my father was a home delivery milkman um, and of course uh, uh, no, very few people know what that is today but and of course when I was growing up you always had to had the big joke about, yeah well, uh, was the milkman my father type of thing, yes. which always was a laugh, and I could never my imagine my father with some of the cartoons that i uh uh saw saw about that uh, cartoons of the day but you
2: know, yes when but, when uh, kids didn't look like their fathers, people would say, Does he look like the milkman
3: exactly <laughs> right. and my father was a milkman for over thirty years, but you like said um, my father meant my, my father died when i was oh my dad, my father died in uh, 1983, so I was like 30 years old. And I just realized just this year that I have now lived on this earth more years without my father mm. than I have with my father. Mm-hmm. And um, you look back at that, and, of course, you know, Everybody, your memories of your parents always get better and more fond, and, and as the years go on. And um, I know my my dad would tell me about my my grandfather and my grandmother who were passed away long before I died, or before I was born, excuse me. And um, so you know this, you have to take those stories when they come along with a grain of salt. And I've tried to be as honest and truthful about uh, the things that uh, I remember and growing up in in Pittsburgh and that in California, but uh, it's it's been a, uh, one of the things that uh, I I had a good upbringing. Uh, I had um, I didn't have I had a working class background. Uh, I had I had a, a decent upbringing. We weren't rich, we weren't poor. were not poor we were sort of in the middle, and that was good.
2: Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, so what I was just thinking, Pittsburgh to California. You know, you listen to the saying, "Go west, young man," and that's kind of yeah. like a Western theme as well, for that matter. Yes.
3: It is, you know, I mean and Horace Greeley who said that was a newspaper man. So and I'm I mean he was one of the media types of his day and of course we didn't have radio or T V then, but now we have that that and that's where my career has been as well.
2: Uh, and we're coming to the end of this segment, but I I want you when we come back, what I'd like you to talk about is what I had mentioned at the beginning, um, in regard to how Westerns form bonds, formed a bond, obviously, between you and your father, and mm-hmm. how, what you think is missing today, or you know, how you think that that comes into play today. Um, when we come back, my guest you is Bob it. Brill. He's the author of the new book called The Prescott Affair, which is the first in his series of books, Lancer, Hero of the West. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. and welcome back to Dr. Carol's couch. I'm your psychiatrist host Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about Westerns, a lost art? Question mark. I mean, that's the thing about radio, you have to kind of add the punctuation marks yourself. And my guest is Bob Brill who has just written a western, a western novel. Hopefully it isn't it's not a lost art at least in regard to his western novel which I read in one sitting couldn't put it down, a wonderful book. Really really um Keeps you, keeps you uh, with all kinds of plot twists and turns, and we'll maybe give you a little tease about it. But obviously, we're not going to tell the whole story. Uh, Bob Brill, so he's the author of this book, The Prescott Affair. It's the the first in his series, Lancer, Hero of the West. Before the break, I was asking Bob about um, his father's impact, um, you know, to whom he dedicated the book, and about bonds between sons and their fathers, and whether part of the reason why they're not as good today as they used to be is because of the Western being missing. So what do you think?
3: Uh, Very much. Uh, I know... um that bond between me and my father was, we had a sports bond as well, but the, I think the Western bond was stronger. And we had heroes back then, such as, you know, and, and of course TV was new, uh, fairly new. So we were watching these TV Westerns. We wouldn't watch them together. I mean, you know, uh, that's, that's the, the way it used to be. Uh, it's missing today, and I think a lot of it's missing today. I think a lot of it is Internet. I think, of course, um, we have so much going on in our lives, whether it's sports, whether it's um, television, whether it's video games and all that stuff, uh, I don't think the bond is there anymore for the Western. At least it hasn't been. It can be, but it hasn't been. And um, I think there are too many things that we have to do. There are too many options for us. There's, you know, like I said, video games, Uh, you know, the, the competition for the dollar and the entertainment dollar is so widespread. Just to sit down and read a book, you know, a lot of people just read the book even um on on their kindle or or which is fine you know so at least they're reading it but somebody will just want to be entertained by the box in front of them whether it be the computer screen the laptop the phone or your television or or, or whatever it is and the 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 western bond i think uh has been lost uh, for a lot of that part of that i think too is in attempting to bring back the western first of all When it comes to movies, westerns are pretty expensive. Anything that's period is expensive. Um, It's not expensive to do... um in in some areas, if if you like uh, keep it what they call contained. In other words, it's a small town, it's a house, it's it's a western uh, village or something like that. When you get into the bigger, broader scope, and I think a lot of Hollywood folks think they've got to do a blockbuster when it comes to this. Uh, you you had um, you know the the first of these I think was the Wild Wild West, which incorporated you know a higher form of electronics and things like that. And to be honest with you. As, as a fan of the Westerns, I didn't like it. I can't watch it. It turns me off. Uh, that's not the West to me. I think as a kid I felt the same way when Westworld came out, you know, and that was very futuristic. Well, Westworld today would be like ancient history, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it, it had electronics in it. So uh, I think when it comes to Westerns, you have to realize that It was the 1880s, and you have to imagine the fact that it was a rough life. Even if you lived in a hotel like Lancer does, you had gas lamps or you know um, candles. If you lived out in the prairie or whatever, you had those things. You you couldn't go turn on the switch. You Hmm. look water. You had to go out to the pump. You know, and you have to get that mentality down. And I think that's hard to grasp for a lot of people. Uh, I, I really do. I, I don't think they want to be in a life, they don't want to imagine a life as difficult, uh, since everything's so easy today.
2: Well, of course, that's one of the charms of the Western, in that it's a metaphor for um, struggles in life. I mean, we don't have the same struggles as those you were just describing, but but everybody has their own personal struggles, you know, things that they're dealing with that might seem even harder to them than going out and getting well water, you know. So there's mm-hmm. the beauty of it. It's interesting when you were just describing about, um, like video game people spending time, kids spending time watching video games, you know, even when they would play video games with their dads, which of course doesn't happen as much as playing with their friends,
1: right.
2: um, but even if they, when you compare, playing a video game with your dad which of course nowadays is mostly incredibly incredibly violent so you're you're competing with your dad to see how many people you can kill right who's going to kill the most people
3: how much blood you can splatter
2: right as compared to watching a Western television show or reading, you know, a Western novel. Well, you would kind of, I guess, do that individually, but talking about it with your dad. But watching a TV show or watching a movie, a Western, um, with your dad is such a different experience because, as I was mentioning, you know, the... the the lessons of where fathers could talk to their sons, as I presume your father did, talking about honor and chivalry, you know, things that happened in the movie, let's say, that would be life lessons.
3: My, my fa- it was interesting because my father used our bonding of watching a, a, a Western TV show or a Western movie and let, let that talk to me, let him talk to me through that. Mm. You know, my, my father was rather quiet, uh, but at the same time... He didn't have to, he didn't have to be say many words when it came Mm. to what he uh, he wanted to get across. And it was cool because in that respect, in us watching that together, we both kind of got this, I, I got, I got to see what he was respecting and pulling from this, and I got to bond with him at the same time in doing that. So, uh, that's, that, that was kind of really cool for me. And because my, my father wasn't real demonstrative, but he didn't like I said he didn't have to be. Um, he he'd just give me a look, and I knew I'd done something wrong or whatever. And it's like okay, you know, or I'd done something right. And uh, I, I think uh, fathers of that era, um, uh, so many of them were like that because you know you didn't talk about sex, you didn't talk about whatever. But through film and through TV shows and through books, you could have that bond where. That story that they wanted told to you, what they yes. wanted to convey to you, if you did it together, you got the approval rating yes,
2: so yeah,
3: he approved of that, and you kind of got okay that 's what i 'm supposed to get out of yes and I exactly think that's
2: what it was for me. exactly, and of course that 's what so many young boys are missing today um, you know this whether it 's through directly from their father or whether it 's through fathers you know sharing movies and so on to convey these messages they 're not learning how to how to grow up and be honorable men. I mean, look, look, look at all the domestic violence we're hearing about, yeah, for example, well, exactly.
3: these days. And, and, but you can learn how to kill a whole lot of people with a video game, you know. That's, uh, it, that, and we've gotten to the point, not only violence, uh, which is, you know, something that, you know, it's a whole other subject, actually, to, that we go on for hours about, but we've gotten to the point where the lack of respect for other people, yeah. and that's what I try to convey in Lancer, and that goes back to the cover photo where he'd, he'd rather reason with people and solve the, solve the uh, situation by not using the gun. But the gun was there if he had to have it, you know, and, uh, because he knew he was going to win with a gun. But, you know, he used his brains and brawn to try to get uh, the situation solved, whether it's a crime or a missing persons or, or whatever it is.
2: And even in the whole story um, of the Prescott Affair, it's not just lancer who is very um who tries to limit using his gun but there isn't really that much gun use altogether right. the the plot of the of the book um, is is much deeper than that. Is much more entwined than that. That's what I like the, the best. When you thought you knew where it was going, um, then there you'd round a corner and it would be some other twist. That's that's oh, what I love. I love like. that.
3: I love it. I love you, Carol.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, but you, I got you know, it. You mean? <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: And, and and you said something earlier that I, I wanted to comment on, which just thrills my heart no end. It really does. You said you read it in one sitting, and that was one of the things I designed this book and all the books in the series. I want you to be able to get on a plane in Los Angeles, take that book, and when you get off the plane in New York, you just finished it. Mm -hmm. Mm That was I I wanted it to be sort of the dime novel glorifier, you know, on steroids, I guess, is probably Uh the way to describe it, because, you know... um, it, it's not, you know, you can't buy a book for a dime anymore, of course. And, but I, I wanted you to be able to sit and read it in one sitting, not only not put it down, but just to enjoy it. And I wanted, at the end, when you finished the book, when you read the last words, I wanted you to be satisfied to the point where saying, you know, whatever price you paid for, let's say you paid $12 retail or whatever, uh-huh. um, that whatever price you paid for it, you said, that was money well spent.
2: Uh uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm
3: satisfied with what I read.
2: Yes. Yes, very entertaining and very, just it all kind of fit together by the time you get to the end, absolutely. Well, why don't we talk about um, some of the different um, styles of Westerns that there are? Because sure. when I started looking into this, um, I hadn't really realized that there were so many different styles um, to the genre. So the, tell ahead. us about that. Well, there
3: are, because um, you know, you've got a Western like mine. You've got more modern westerns uh where you have sort of the wild wild west thing where they use the the high tech of the day or in today's movies you would get the high tech of today rather than the 1880s. Uh, there's there's also the romance uh, westerns where you know you think about Fabio, you know, as the um, as the character who's on the co- or was on the cover of every every novel, and they're, they're right. designed more um, for women. Mm-hmm. or uh, the Eros crowd, I guess, uh, can be more appropriate so that uh, women can read a romance novel where the, where the hero is uh, described in great detail or his pictures on the cover. And one thing about Lancer, you'll never see Lancer on the cover.
2: <laughs> um, you'll you'll uh-huh. never see
3: a photo or a painting of him for one simple reason. I've always felt that, especially in a novel, that you as the reader are going to draw your own conclusions as to what the hero looks like. Now, I may give you a couple of hints. I may say curly hair or, you know, whatever. But you as the reader should define who that character Mm. is by what you're reading and how you read it, not what you read into it. So um, that's why you'll never see Fabio on the cover as Lancer. (laughs) (laughs) But it will always be something else. But... um,
2: Yes, yeah, so you that know, people I, can can kind of um, identify with the character, project their own description, physical description of him to match what they want to identify with.
3: You said it better than I ever could. That's exactly what I uh, I was trying to say. And a matter of fact, if you don't mind, I'll I'll record this back and I'll put that on the on the back <laughs> of
2: the. <Netflix>. Sure. So. <laughs> Any of this. <laughs> but
3: uh, getting back to the different types. Yeah. Um, i I think there there um, there are many types i'd kind of classify them as probably into three categories the romance um, the, um, the the old style like uh, like Lancer, and I think the more high tech which is more of um, Uh, You know, Sherlock Holmes in the West, maybe, uh, which is not Lancer, but, you know, you've you've got that out there, and so I think those would be the three that I would classify as far as the different types, and there's probably subcategories under that, but uh, I think those Um, would be the the three broad-based.
2: Uh-huh. Well, yes, there are, there are sort of countless, literally countless, um, descriptions or names for different kinds of Westerns. I'll just mm-hmm. read some, and you can sort of comment on it. The Union Pacific story, uh, the ranch story, the empire story, the revenge story, the cavalry and Indian story.
3: Oh, yes. <laughs> the
2: outlaw story, and the marshal story, which is what I think um, Lancer fits into. That's the lawman and his challenges drive the plot.
3: I, th- I think you're exactly right there. The, uh, the, ramps, the Empire story, I, I think, is, is the one that we see probably most made into miniseries, uh, if you go to television, uh, where you have um, someone who is, he, he's built an empire over decades, and now he's in the, his waning years, and he's going to uh, turn it over to somebody, but try to keep his empire at the same time.
2: Mm-hmm. And then we have classical westerns, northerns, Florida westerns, Euro westerns, spaghetti westerns, pie <laughs> well, westerns. The Euro
3: westerns, I have relatives in, in Italy who just love the westerns.
2: Oh, wow. Uh,
3: they just, uh, Clint Eastwood was their, their fantasy, I think, uh, more than anything else.
2: Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, fact, yeah, I, we'll come back to that. I mean, it is yeah. so interesting when you think about the westerns uh, traveling around the world. Well, we need to, t- talking about traveling, we need to travel now to a break. Um, My guest is Bob Brill. His book is called The Prescott Affair, which is the first in his series of books called Lancer, Hero of the West. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
3: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at
1: 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about Western's a Lost Art, question mark, and uh, not lost, on Bob Brill, whose new book is called The Prescott Affair. We're talking today about his book and about the significance of Westerns in society uh, also, was we were in the middle of talking about different kinds, I mean, it's, it, it is pervasive worldwide. And um, so before we get, get back to that, Bob, I, you know, I'm sure people are, I mean, I've said that you're an award-winning broadcast journalist. You've covered presidents, sports heroes, all kinds of major news stories for top media outlets, currently uh, LA's CBS affiliate KNX Radio People are probably scratching their heads. What's a nice guy like you <laughs> doing, writing, um, reinventing or re, um, reinvigorating uh, the Western? So tell us how you got there.
3: Well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I, the connection with my father is the obvious one, and I, and I always wanted... uh, Yeah, I've always been a writer since I was a kid. I mean, I started out writing jokes as a child and and trying to do that. And just I I love to write, always have. And um, somewhere along about the fifth grade, um, Mrs. Dunn, (laughs) my fifth grade teacher, said, okay, we are gonna write a little essay on what you want to be when you graduate high school and grow up. And I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. I wanted to play second base, follow my hero, Bill Mazarowski, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, my hometown team. And she said, Okay, well what's your backup? And I said, What's a backup? And she said, you know, in case you don't make it, and I said, Well, well I'm gonna make it I mean, you know, she goes, No, you have to have something as a backup. So, oh, okay. So I said, Okay, what what can I do as a backup that would keep me close to baseball because that was my love was baseball and um i said well you know i thought about play by play and i said okay i, I would love to do play by play and to do that of course it was radio at the time we didn't have much TV broadcast at the, at the time in the early uh, 1960s, and uh, we had a game of the week. Now you can have a game on almost all the time uh, on television, and so uh, I decided to I was going to go into radio. Well, that was the fifth grade, and things go along. And, you know, but wait, meantime, can I just
2: interrupt you for a sure. second? You know what's sure. interesting? When people say that, teachers or parents or whatever... Um, what's your backup plan? Now, of course, in the end, for you, it turned out to be good, but, I mean, you know, doing radio, but, um, of course, the message that that conveys, especially to a little child, like a fifth grader, you know, uh-huh. what's your backup? What that conveys is, well, I don't think you're going to make it as a baseball <laughs> player. So <laughs> I took it that way. <laughs> what? I took it that way. Yeah, so, yeah, so come on, that. figure out something more reasonable, something yeah. you could do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: See, <laughs> Did, that was... The- because even though at the time I was living in California, I lived in the San Fernando Valley at that point. You know, you realize that. Um, well, gee, uh, my my dreams might not come true.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly.
3: Did you, uh, well, did you
2: try to pursue that after first I did. I
3: did. I actually, I actually played semi-pro ball, which huh. and I didn't get, I didn't get paid. Uh, I played semi-pro ball for a couple of years um, and had some injuries and stuff, but I was kind of on the downside at that point anyway, and I kind of knew at that point I, that wasn't going to happen, and that's when I dedicated myself to my radio career, uh-huh. which, uh, you know, because I felt I could still stay close to the sports that I loved, because I don't love all sports, but um, I love competition, and... Uh, so it was you know i was going to do that uh but in the meantime uh i, I between the fifth grade and graduation of high school i did as much writing as i could i gave mm. some speeches i competed in speeches um you know our school-wide school versus school competitions and things and uh you know i was an english major but um really i I had four semesters of speech, and uh, I loved it, and I'm still in touch with my speech teacher, who was my mentor, uh, who lives here in Southern California after many, many years, and we correspond uh, right. occasionally, and um, Mrs. Cynthia Menk, I'll throw her name out there, and, uh, but she was my mentor, and at the same time, I was doing a lot of writing, and I always knew that I could write, and I wanted to write, because basically, what I was doing was more than writing, I was telling stories. In storytelling, I guess I consider myself a storyteller, uh, whether it's um, in talking or talking on the radio or doing interviews or, or using my background or in writing books or blogs or, or columns or whatever I wrote. And, of course, in radio as a reporter, you're telling stories. Mm-hmm. And you have to find the most efficient way to tell that story in the short amount of time that you're allotted. And writing a book is basically the same thing because you have to get to the point, but you, in writing a novel, you have to make it so that it's a more involved story. It's not like doing a a 40 second radio Mm -hmm. spot, but it's the same concept, but somewhat different. And so I can, I always wanted to write and that's kind of where that love Came from. And um, I, when I did my first book, it was more of a coffee table book, and then I got into some others. But, uh, you know, Lancer was probably what I was targeted to write. Uh, I love doing investigative stuff, and I've done some investigative stuff on the radio, um, and that's a little bit different. But I think the type of story that Lancer is, is the type of story that I was sort of designed to write. And that's why I write screenplays too, you know, and it's all about storytelling. But I, I think the one thing that I always resisted writing a Western, as much as I always wanted hmm. to write a Western, I resisted because of the research involved. And when you write a <laughs> if you're writing the book as a writer, you're not doing anything else for a living, um, hmm. you kind of starve. The old starving <laughs> artist type of thing. Yeah. So taking the time to do the research was was counterproductive for me not it wasn't it wasn't in the cards and now with the internet uh, it's huh. made so much easier um, just to if you need to find out some little bit not that everything on the internet is true of course it's not but you can do the research much much faster such as uh, i was i wanted to make sure of the name of the mountain range where mm-hmm. pra- the city of Prescott is. And um, I had to do a little research to find out what it was called in the 1880s. Well, it took me five minutes to find out. Years ago, I would have had to go to the library, do a lot of research, and spend probably a good day, if not longer, finding the answers. So that opened up the doors for me to go ahead and say, okay, the research that I'm going to need to do for a novel is kind of at my fingertips. And combined with the fact that the thing that people have told me they love the most about this book is I combine, I, I bring in legendary real life characters. I was going to gonna
2: ask, I was just going to ask you about that, which you know it, it made it really difficult. I mean, was that? I mean, besides figuring out the story and the twists and turns and all that, I would imagine putting in the these real life characters like Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and all that must have been a very tricky part.
3: It it is in some ways, and in some ways it's not, because um, the only people I really do that with are legendary characters. The rest are are made-up characters. And with a legendary character like Wyatt Earp, the legend has grown far beyond what the man was. Mm -hmm. Same with Doc Holliday, and um, even Virgil Earp and and Johnny Ringo, and those guys. Um, We don't really know. (laughs) Uh, We know a lot about them, but the legend based on what they wrote about themselves in some cases, Mm -hmm. uh, has grown to unbelievable proportions that pretty much anything you might say about them is acceptable, you know, if you're writing a novel. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and the other characters you create. So uh, mixing in what we know about the legendary characters with the character that I created and the other characters that I do create, kind of, um, it wasn't that difficult. It It was kind of, Easy as long as I I stuck as long as I didn't go too far out. I mean you you could do something really stupid and make it so it's, the wider never would have done that. You uh-huh. know, and you don't want to go there. But um, oh yeah, I can imagine wider doing this and
2: uh-huh. talking to this guy. So
3: so you kind of um, and that's going to be. In every book. Uh, every book is, ha- is going to have its legendary uh, characters within it, as well as the uh, characters that uh, I create from my own mind.
2: Well, I guess it came more easily for you because you were so entrenched in all the westerns for so many years yes, that you know these characters like the back of your hand. And, you
3: know,
2: um, about, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: I, I was to say the thing about um, I love the tombstone story which has been told, you know, the gunfight at the O.K. Corral and that that whole story. That whole it's been documented so well. And yet the legend has grown out of that that I, I love that. So it for me to it was a natural thing for me to base him in Tombstone because mm-hmm. I could draw on that with every story.
2: Mhm. So um so let's see well is what about okay let's talk a little bit about today's westerns i mean i was mm-hmm. I, I, I i and which ones have done well and which ones haven't i mean like for example um let's see in in twenty well like i guess the most recent one or that i am little aware Ranger. of Oh well, yes, that's true too. Okay, go ahead. Well, <laughs> the, well, the actually, Lone Ranger. Actually, is, the is, Lone Ranger. There was one, The one I was going to say was, uh, that was after that was A Million Ways to Die in the West. Oh golly, a horrible movie! <laughs> oh golly, yo! a trailer for that. I, I didn't see I, the movie, but it's simply just not I wasted my to, money.
3: I, we, my wife and I just recently went to see that. I love everybody. In that film, Charlize Theron, Liam Neeson, you know, uh, Sarah Seth, Silverman. what's his name? I love, Patrick Harris. Every, I, I love them. They're all great actors, and they got in this movie, and it, it was the worst piece of whatever <laughs> that I've seen in a long time. I mean, my favorite probably... So as far as Western comedies, is Blazing Saddles. I mean, uh-huh, it, it's yes. the epitome. You can't touch it. Uh, Mel Brooks has been trying to duplicate it for years. And <laughs> um, but um, that particular film, A Million Ways to Die in the West, was just, it had so much potential. But I'm sorry, you can't put that many F-bombs <laughs> in a Western film and expect people who go to see a Western to watch yes, it and to be yes. satisfied.
2: Well, um, I would imagine, as I said, I only saw the trailer because that made me not want to go see it, but <laughs> I would imagine that somebody like you um, would be angry at a movie like that I in, in the sense of it, you know, maybe discouraging people from the genre of westerns, from really um, putting western, you know, make, trivializing westerns.
3: Oh, it, it, yeah, I was. I was very angry when I came out of that film. I tried. I never, ever, except twice in my life walk out of a film until the end. I, I'm going to sit through it. Even if it's horrible, I'm going to sit through it. And because uh, maybe there's something redeeming at the end that the the writer uh, put in. Um, and I sat through this one. And I, I sat... There was a couple of films I can't even remember the titles of that I didn't sit through. Um, But, uh, oh, Happy Hooker Goes to Washington. I I walked out of that one. (laughs) I had to work at the theater at the time. But um, that was, this was one film. And we can talk about The Lone Ranger afterwards, too, because there's something very specific about The Lone Ranger that just doesn't make it in film. It's it's not going to happen. And we can talk about that after the break. Yes,
2: we will after the break. Uh, We have to take another break. Unfortunately, I like to hear you keep talking. But anyway, we will be back with The Lone Ranger and more. And you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is Bob Brill. His book is The Prescott Affair. We'll be right back. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472
1: 5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, t- today's show is called Westerns, a Lost Art, and I hope by now you realize that it has at least been refound in my um, guest's new book, Bob Brill. His new book is called The Prescott Affair. Uh, the first in his series of books called Lancer Hero of the West before the break we started to talk about or we mentioned in any case one of the more recent movies uh, The Lone Ranger so Bob what did you think of that?
3: The, the problem with The Lone Ranger is anybody who does a film today isn't, unless they could cast the late um, uh, actor who played him and I, I can't uh, just drill a blank uh, uh, for the TV actor uh-huh. who, who played him for many yeah. years um, It's never going to fly because The Lone Ranger was defined by the TV series. Mm -hmm. And anybody who goes to see The Lone Ranger, it's been done twice in film, once with Johnny Depp and a great cast, bombed, absolutely bombed. It was done before that with Quentin Spillsbury, of all people, who I don't think has done anything since. And that completely bombed. The Lone Ranger is the Lone Ranger. There is a hook to the Lone Ranger that you cannot fool with. It's like... The, the god of TV westerns, uh, or, or god of westerns as far as media is concerned, that you just don't mess with. Mm-hmm. You cannot do mm-hmm. The Lone Ranger in a film today. Don't even try, unless you're going to be true, to the character and forget all the electronics and all the upscale and all the uh, CGI and everything else, if you're going to be true to that character uh, the the way it was done in the TV series, then it might be successful. But, mm-hmm. you know, people love The Lone Ranger. I mean, The Lone Ranger is my hero. The Lone Ranger has always been my hero. I had a boss ask me and says, Bob, what do you, be, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, The Lone Ranger. <laughs>
2: you know? And what's well, your plan well, B? <laughs> what's
3: well, your backup? Yeah. <laughs> That's my backup, yeah. We, we talked, during the break about uh, Django uh, uh, Django and Chains which um, Django to me when I saw Django uh, you have to first of all realize that it's a Quentin Tarantino film so you're going to have tons of violence and it's going to be gratuitous violence and if you can sit through that that's okay because the thing about Django it had a message A Million Ways to Die in the West did not have a message Django had an anti-slavery message. And he brought out, he was able to bring out that historic story in such a way that, you know, you could pallet the violence. Now, You know, not everybody can. Uh, I can pallet the violence. I'm a fan of, you know, um, Ray Donovan, and I'm a fan of um, Boardwalk Empire. And I I can do those shows. I can do that. But if you can't, then you're never going to get past that. But the message that Tarantino brought out and uh, conveyed in Django and Chains was powerful and so powerful that it, it, it made it a very, I, I thought, a very good movie.
2: Well, there was a lot of um, controversy about it, though.
3: hmm There right. was. Uh, not only the violence, but, uh, you know, um, yeah. well... Anything Tarantino does is controversial well, yes. because I'm not so sure he he sticks historically to a lot of the facts, and he creates a lot of stuff. But you know it, that's just who he is, and you have to go in expecting that. So,
2: all right. Well, let's. Um, let, I want to make sure we're, we're we're kind of in our last minutes here. So I want to make sure that um, we we give people a tease um, in regard to some of the other books that you've written. Sure. So, um, why don't you start with, um, well, the first one was fan litters. <laughs> let me warn you all, all my listeners, um, they are very um, diverse, shall we say. The first yeah, one was very. fan letters <laughs> to a stripper, a petty <laughs> oh, <my> wagon <laughs> tail.
3: Sam Letters to a Stripper, a Patty Wagon Tale, is a coffee table biography of um, longtime burlesque queen in the 40s, 50s, and early 60s, Patty Wagon, who was married to a Major League Baseball player by the name of Don Rudolph, and uh, she's actually on his 1959 Topps baseball card on the cartoon on the back, and I own... The, basically the estate and all the rights to Patty Wagon and, uh, that one we're, uh, the script has been done. We're looking to make it into a film. We're pitching it now and there's some interest. Uh, that's a coffee table biography published in 2009 by Schiffer Books. Um, it, it's, mainly her story with a little bit of text and uh, over 60 fan letters that people wrote that we reprinted, mm. um, as they were. didn't change them at all. And uh, they tell the story of this burlesque queen and her husband, a major league player, and their fans. Um, no, no Barrier was my um, next uh, nonfiction book. No Barrier, How the Internet Destroyed the World Economy. And that basically is... Uh, a lot of examples, a lot of truth to what's happened since the Internet and how it killed a lot of businesses that will never come back, even though it started some new businesses, how the Internet, the damage that the Internet has done, despite being the greatest invention since the, the printing press. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is my first novel called Al Kabul, Homegrown Terrorist. And uh, basically, it's set 25 years after 9-11 and it's about American-born, homegrown terrorists who, with Middle East ties, uh, and their attempts to plant the seeds to um, take over the, the country in the year—well, um, uh, 25 years past 9/11—in that that era. So, and it, well, it's, it's a thriller. It's an FBI
2: thriller. So. Interestingly, I mean, I'm sure in recent years. Um, as time goes by, more and more, um, you're probably thinking to yourself, "Huh, it might happen before 25 years." hmm
3: mm-hmm. it, It's it's, uh, it's a very um, topical novel, uh, and I did I talked to some Muslim clerics because I did not want to me- misrepresent, um, you know, Islam and and the many different sects, because mm-hmm. uh, one of the characters is a Sufi Muslim, another one uh, is um, I believe a Sunni, if I remember right and uh, the the sects are very different, like Christianity has its different. Sex, so to speak, uh, that have different le- ways they believe in different things with the same central theme of, you know, worshiping their particular version of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I went to some Muslim clerics and I said, and some scholars, and I said, look, I don't want to misrepresent. I don't want to end up being Salman Rushdie, you know, and um, I want to make sure that I'm correct on a- some certain things. I mean, the characters are greed. The characters. Or greedy characters, even though they're religious fanatics. Uh And it's about a hijacked religion, basically, uh, and the way it's done and conflicts within those, uh, in, within the group of those who are trying to overthrow the government, uh, 25 years after 9-11. It's, it's a, it's a a thriller. Uh, I've had people tell me that they couldn't put it down. It was, you know, a page turner, which uh, I love to hear. That's what you always want to write. Right. And uh, and and very involved, and I I a lot of the places in the book are places where I have lived hmm. because I like to do that because then I can like in Prescott where I had my first radio job with Lancer, here with the West, the Prescott affair. I made sure I, I went there first because I was really familiar with that area and could describe it. Uh huh. That's, that's one of the things I like to do in my novels.
2: That's why you had him going from he lives. Lancer lives in Tombstone, but his first adventure was in Prescott. Exactly. And, of course, of course, it fits with the next adventure, the second that you're working on, the second in the series, the book that you're working on, is La- Lancer, Hero of the West, The Los Angeles Affair. Exactly. And needless to say, <laughs> you live in Los Angeles, so
3: yeah, and, that should and make Living in Los Angeles in the 1880s is uh, very interesting because it was a, an explosive city at the time. I mean, it was trying to find its way, and I have had to do a lot of research on, uh, and talk to a lot of people about... Um, uh, how it was then, yes. you know, it's the end of the Rancho era, and he gets involved in the ranchos, and uh, and uh, it's 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 an interesting uh, time for uh, this city, and uh, I I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Well, now um, before <laughs> before before the time is out, I want to make sure that I tell you all um, where you can find out more information about Bob's books. You go to BobBrillBooks.com, B-O-B-B-R-I-L-L, books.com, BobBrillBooks.com. You can find out more about all of these books that he's just been talking about. Of course, you can get them at Amazon. You can order them from bookstores and so on. And again, the name of the book that we've been talking about, that we gave you some highlights or teased you some, but it's really a, a wonderful book. It's called Lancer, Hero of the West, that's the series, and this book, this first book, is called The Prescott Affair from Prescott, Arizona. Well, Bob, thank you so much. This is really exciting. You're building a whole little library of your own here. <laughs>
3: well, thank you, Doctor. I enjoy it, Carol, and thank you so much for having me on.
2: You're welcome, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.